friends, and welcome to Screen Vomit, the only movie podcast for normal people. I'm, of course, your normal host, Kayla, and here with me, of course, I have a guest. My guest today is a filmmaker, director, a shorts king, some might say. Don't tell him. May have talked about some of his shorts on pod before. This man, at least a couple times, also an actor. This will be my guest. Adam Murray. <laughs> Hi, hello. Ooh, actor. Ooh. Oh. At least a couple times. A couple. <laughs> You've dabbled. In, in order, it was done. Those have been done in order to save money. <laughs> that is really the main, the main uh, reason for any kind of acting appearance on my end is to save money in some way, shape, or form. By not paying an actor. By not paying. Same? By not paying an actor. I, yeah. But you popped up here or there in other people's things. Yes. Yes. Or no. uh, yes. Correct. <laughs> For a time when I first moved out to Los Angeles, I was working a lot in sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of writing and honestly, was running a YouTube channel that was doing a sketch a month. That got a decent following in the Los Angeles sketch community because mm-hmm. we were just using different stand-ups and sketch friends that I knew from around there, but then never really... Were you performing this or just writing? Performing as well. But so I was, I was, I was, performing, I was performing sketch in these videos and... I'm talking way too much about something that doesn't exist anymore. Cannot be found online. No, keep talking. <laughs> uh, well, so but I, you took it down. You you erased the records. Yeah, I took I took him down. I mean, I'm not. Are you embarrassed? I'm a little embarrassed, and not because and not because of any. And You're not, generally embarrassed of everything you create. I I, kind, I really am. <laughs> Uh, I kind of hate watching my own stuff, and the fact that I was editing videos I was acting in is. Uh, I was a different person in 2014, apparently. Yeah. Way different person. But, like, I took it in that. Not because, like, any of the stuff that I wrote was, like, didn't age well or, like, didn't think it was funny. It was just my pure embarrassment over being in them. Being alive. And, being, and yeah, yeah, people seeing those. I started doing more, uh, started stepping away from comedy a bit more and doing my own longer form shorts that were a little bit more serious, uh, which I am not a serious person. Well, prove it. That's... <laughs> Uh, as a guy who makes a lot of real bummer, real bummer shorts and and projects, I just it was the the fact of having it up there. Like, man, if you see these, I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna just drive off a bridge right now. <laughs> you hate to have an older version of you be perceived. Yes, in general. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yes. As a person with a podcast. <laughs> Wherein, you know, a couple years of me, you know, spilling my beans mm-hmm. about my entire life uh, <laughs> is perceivable yeah. by people. It's findable. Uh, I relate. <laughs> I did archive our first 20 episodes, <laughs> so don't tell anyone. <laughs> well, don't. They're scratched. You're gonna, is this going to get cut out or is this just going to be for people to try and find it now? <laughs> well, you know, time will tell. Yep. <laughs> me baby because they <laughs> technically are still online uh they're just private so but yeah so that was uh that's your journey uh yeah i've been directing my own stuff uh in my downtime when i'm not broke by more serious of i guess since 2015 i say more serious being it's stuff that wasn't explicitly sketch comedy that lived in like three to five minute chunks of yeah. video so what gets you to make that first short film uh was that joe that was, was that? that was joe and the pirates yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. That was kind of an idea that I had been sitting in my head since like the end of college, probably like 2011, 2012. I just was sitting in my head and then I was like, yeah, let's make a proof of concept and see how it goes. And it was kind of my first real undertaking as 
putting together and directing and producing and also mm-hmm. writing and acting are you in that I, I i'm in that at the very mm-hmm. end which was yeah. uh we were i was burning through so much money and then <laughs> i was like we're gonna save 250 dollars and put me in this yeah but it was my first time something that big with that many people and like it wasn't just like friends of mine who were comedians who knew how to like act mm-hmm. decently it was like i went out like auditioned people like pulled in other actors who i didn't know like who were strangers and dealing yeah. with dealing with that and getting shooting permits and finding locations and then building a set and realizing i should just you went hard on that one i went yeah. way, way too hard for like a first like real big like a, <laughs> for a first like kind of earnest short i think it shows no, i feel like that's how you that's how you do it if you think you're only gonna have one chance maybe you go big, you go hard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it was, it, I mean, there's parts of it that I can look at today. And that is one that I do not revisit yeah. at all. Very rarely revisit anything <laughs> that I make. I know. You're so funny. Every time I've watched your stuff, you're like, um, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I was, I'm sorry that my shorts are terrible. <laughs> it's, it's a constant thing I live with constantly. And it was, I would say Gabby, which is my most recent one from the end of 2019, is the one that I've gone back and rewatch the most uh which is very mm. sparingly still probably because <laughs> we've had such a good run with it during festival season that it's something mm-hmm. that i've you have memories attached to i it have now. memories attached to it and it's just i from sending it to people and sending out to like other websites and and all that sorry my dog is sitting on the remote control of the television dog wants to watch tv stop that my cat actually i got a really cute video of uh well it's my roommate's cat mm-hmm. watching the boy in the plaid shirt is that what it's called <laughs> oh to the boy to the boy in the plaid shirt yeah yeah <laughs> that one i haven't revisited in a minute i'm told by people who watch it they like it which is great to hear yeah no, i love it that was a weird one <laughs> that one's weird because it took me forever to edit really myself and megan the lead actress mm-hmm. megan Rosati, who's a one of the filmmakers behind fatal collective and she's a tremendous writer and actress and creator we were both going through weird emotional stuff at that time and i was kind of still dealing with it post shooting it so like post-production the editing took forever and it was mainly because the scene when nate Logue, who plays the titular boy in the plaid shirt mm-hmm. is crawling across the floor and megan comes up behind him and you've seen yes. i had to paint out a prosthetic related thing that was hanging in the background and it was around for a lot of that shot so i had to go oh. through and digitally paint and rotoscope out parts of it and that just took forever and it was kind of dragging and it was just a pain in the ass to do and then i finally was like you know what let's just get it done and i'll go back to that one that one was done it was done at a weird time and i was also experimenting i was like let me do next to zero dialogue yes which i think there's maybe four lines that are said at all through that entire seven minutes seven eight minutes mm-hmm. however it goes because i did that and then before that was regional heat which was another experiment which was experimenting with like a one take wrestling scene and just seeing how so i was doing a lot of weird experiments mm-hmm. that spent that costed too much money <laughs> out of my own pocket but so then after after i did to the boy in the plaid shirt after that was done i was kind of in a at a <laughs> i was kind of in a position where i was like what do i want to do next like what do i want to do like i was like do i should work on like one new short put it out there see how it does festival wise and like kind of refocus and work towards making a feature and like are getting representation as well which is a mm-hmm. mystery to how that's done <laughs> I, every every friend i've talked to as a manager has just been like i i just knew someone so 
If anyone, yeah. if anyone listening to this is a manager, hi, please. <laughs> if my podcast gets you a manager, <laughs> I'll be. That would just that'd be really sick. That'd be amazing. I'd be so happy. <laughs> I have a lot of filmmakers that follow. Managers, I don't know. Maybe. It's a weird, confusing thing to figure out that apparently nobody who works in the industry, at least (laughs) friends of mine who have them, don't know how it happens. So it's constantly confusing. (laughs) But after I finished uh, Plaid Shirt, I was like, well, I was like, I'll do one more focus on getting a feature. And like, I was like, well, I love dark comedy. I love, love comedy. I mean, it's probably my first favorite. I mean, just in terms of mediums and film, like definitely top three for sure. And I was like, well, what about this idea for like a really well directed, well shot sketch? And I kind of wrote up a rough idea of what uh, it could be. And then I sent it to my friend Alexis Cresserano, who is the writer of Gabby. Uh, and I pitched her the story. I was like, would you want to come in and like take over lead on this and so we worked on the story together and she worked on the script and she took it and ran and then we ended up making gabby which turned out to be pretty popular we, yeah. we had a premiere at chattanooga film festival and it was it was all set up where i was like i'm gonna do this short i'm gonna get ready to go back out there and try and find some stuff and figure things out gets into chattanooga gets into a couple other festivals and then lockdown mm-hmm. happens the 2020 happens and everything's kind of thrown into the air so, <laughs> so that's where we're at now <laughs> that's where we're at now and thankfully thankfully we we're still waiting to hear back on a few others from the end of the year which hopefully fingers crossed vaccination wise we'll be able to travel and go to them if we get in nice because i would love to go like out towards the end of the year for something like that it was a weird balance because with festivals if your short gets in or your film gets in you get the opportunity to go there and get to network and talk with people and find representation or find like other actors to work with or find someone who maybe has an idea and you can people to collab with to collab with and the flip side of that is with digital like you're still meeting some new people but you're not really doing a lot of networking but Mm -hmm. a lot more people i believe are seeing your short because if you buy if you buy a ticket for like a digital festival for three days or whatever you can go through and pick and choose what you want to see. And instead of like a real festival, it's like, well, I'm going to go to the shorts block, sit down. And then it's like, maybe they don't go to the next one and they miss yours. True. And also like, just from personal experience over pandemic, like I attended several digital festivals that like, I would never have been able to go to that are like, wherever USA, like, (laughs) and I kind of hope moving forward that maybe they continue with like a a hybrid model of the two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that'd be sick. I think I think that hopefully will continue because I think a lot of festivals like Chattanooga just happened again. Yeah, I did go to Chattanooga. Chad, <laughs> I think Chattanooga is where we saw the movie we're talking. Is where I saw the movie we're talking about today. I think, or it might have been Nightstream, which is also happening again. But it was. It's. I don't. I don't see the benefits in not having. X amount of digital tickets for festivals put out there for because it's like if you're yeah. in a certain part of the country and you want to go see this movie that's premiering here, it's like the technology's there where it's not going to get stolen. But uh, yeah, now I just uh, finishing up a music video and I rewatched Mandibles literally I think ten minutes before I logged on <laughs> to talk oh, with hell you. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So should we get to the movie? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, stop. We'll stop talking about me. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, let's just dive into the movie that we picked for today, which is the 2021 French film Mandibles, which is a Quentin Dupieux movie written and directed by, of course, Quentin Dupieux. I want to know 
Well, first of all, I want to know why you picked this movie in particular, but I also want to know what is your Quentin Dupieux like experience? Have you seen a lot of his movies? Are you a big fan, etc.? I'm a huge fan. Hell yeah. Rubber was absolutely the first thing to cross my radar that was his because yeah. it was it was one of those for most people I think for most people because it was i think it was a it was on netflix for a short amount of time yeah, i think too like early on when netflix went to had like only streaming they're like you got to watch this movie about a tire that like blows people's heads up yeah and i was like it was huge at the moment at that time it was like the buzz was palpable yeah <laughs> which is which is kind of still seen because like if you look at trailers for his stuff that's coming out in America because I'm not I know very little about the French filmmaking landscape I know what directors I mm-hmm. like and I know like what actors I like but I don't know mm-hmm. a ton but in, in terms of like knowledge of like popularity and who works with who and all these kind of like yeah. I don't have a great grasp on that as much as I do with like American cinema or even like South Korean cinema in a way sure but mm-hmm. whenever Depew puts out a movie in America the American trailer always includes like from the guy who made rubber that movie about the tire yeah like it's always kind of included at least in his past two because i think it's in the trailer for deerskin as well mm-hmm. uh his movie before and now this. deerskins in deerskins become also i think a big hit for him yeah. as well because i think it's on yeah. hbo max which is oh is it yeah oh, yeah it is actually yeah which yeah he was rubber was definitely the first one to, uh, to cross my path and then i think wrong which is one with uh jack yes. Pl- jack plotnik and uh, was the mm-hmm. next one, and that one kind of locked me in. Wrong is my favorite. It, I love it so much. It's good. It's very good and sad. <laughs> Jack Plotnick, who I think should work way more, is a great, weird character actor. Mm-hmm. And then Wrong Cops, I kind of was not my favorite. And then, like, I came back around with Deerskin mm-hmm. uh, recently. I was like, oh, this rules. Like, I love this. Yeah, and then Mandibles, I watched last year, and I was like, this is. Absolutely, this might be my favorite of his. Ooh. It's it's a t- it's a toss up between that and Deerskin because really the thing I love the reason why I picked this movie is my favorite genre of movie is dumb criminal movie. (laughs) I love, I grew up, my favorite movie growing up was Raising Arizona. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Big Coen Brothers. Like, they, Coen Brothers are my favorites, filmmakers, like, hands down. Mm -hmm. I love, uh, not really a dumb criminal (laughs) movie, but like, the Sticky Bandits from Home Alone. Like, anything where it's, Mm -hmm. or Bottle Rocket even. You love dumb guys. I love dumb guys uh, Mm -hmm. doing crime (laughs) who who sometimes get away with it, like, kind of in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) a weird way uh this is also a very low stakes crime movie yes as it's revealed especially at the end what what they're mm-hmm. up to big fan of big <laughs> fan of that have you seen keep an eye out no i have not mm, you probably like that one too add it to your list yep <laughs> so i actually just our last episode i recorded was just talking about how i just watched through quentin Dupieux's entire filmography very recently. Yes, you said you watched this, I think, yesterday. <laughs> well, I rewatched Mandible because yeah. I I watched Mandibles like last week. That was my last one. I was kind of going in order, sort of. Yeah. Well, that's not true. I wasn't going in order at all, but I was waiting to do Mandibles last. Yeah. That was the thing is I wanted to see everything before I saw Mandibles. And I had already seen like some of them. Like I had seen Rubber. I saw Wrong like 
a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I saw Ron Cops like a year ago. Deerskin last year sometime. So like I had seen a couple of them already and was a big fan. Wrong was my fave. Mm-hmm. I did feel though that I was kind of always searching to find wrong again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and- and you never quite you never quite find it again. But um, I did go pretty deep. I watched all his short films too. Even one that's only available in French. I like had somebody on Reddit translate it <laughs> into English for me so that I could watch it. And that's like a short film from like I don't know 2002 or something like that. Oh, it's exactly 2002. I just looked it up. Wow, I remembered that. Um, <laughs> but so got pretty psychotic about it. But I've now seen everything he's ever done, uh, which is interesting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean it's good shit. I love Quentin Dupieux, and I had been. I mean, Mandibles had been on my radar for a minute because it'd been doing festivals forever. So yeah, yeah, I just like randomly a couple weeks ago or something, I was like, huh, I wonder when that's coming out because it's been like, you know, in my brain for like, feel like a while. Yeah. And then it was like release date, like, wow, it's coming out right now. (laughs) Sick. (laughs) So that's kind of what prompted like the urgency of getting through his filmography. But I think it might be my favorite. And Wrong has this a bit too. And this is a thing that I've tried to explain. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend is a film film journalist so she's seen the giant amount of movies as well Mm -hmm. and i try to explain the feeling but mandibles has very big nice day outside energy oh yeah which is a weird theme i love and find very comforting in certain movies and it's a very specific thing where it's just like (laughs) the way it has to feel is like it feels like you can watch that movie in the middle of the day yeah and then walk out at like two in the afternoon and it's still like a really nice day out like it's something that kind of (laughs) carries your day and like across like if you're like walking around you go it's got great vibes it's got yeah. great vibes if you go out like have a breakfast on a weekend with some friends and you come home and it's like oh you put a movie on and then the movie's done by like three and the sun's still out and you're just like oh it's yeah like major league has that uh-huh. for me uh my cousin Vinny has that because a lot of that sure. movie takes place during the day and outside it's whenever people are just mm-hmm. going around places on what looks like a really nice day and everything's very light and nice uh yeah. it's a weird it's a weird category for me <laughs> of movies I find incredibly comforting. I would love to see the letterboxd list. I would, I, I, nice would have, I would have to do so much work on it. <laughs> but let's talk let's talk about the movie instead of what <laughs> films from the nineties I find pleasant. <laughs> it's no, just, it this is not the it's, it's slowly turning into the Chris Farley show. I'm into it. I'm into so, yeah, it. Do you like Wet Hot American Summer? Yeah, it was cool. Like that. Like that's the energy that I'm bringing. That's what I'm bringing to the table currently. Um, okay. Yeah. So let's get a little bit into. Yeah. Let's. We haven't let's, even, we cracked, haven't even cracked, the movie. cracked the movie yet. <laughs> I haven't Which, even cracked the cast. It's even. like there's not a lot to explain, but there's also so much to explain about this movie. All right. So I'm gonna crack into the cast yeah. here. Um, this is a French movie, so most of these people are just like in French stuff. But there's a couple people who people might know from stuff. Yep. Gregoire Ludig was also in Dupieux's movie Keep an Eye Out, which you haven't seen but are going which to. Which I was just looking up. <laughs> yes. It is a dumb criminal movie as well. Perfect. And him and David Marseille, like, who plays the other main guy, are also in a comedy duo called Palma Show. That's cool. That explains so much about yeah. their, their vibe together. Their vibe together. Yeah, it, it, they work so well together. They do. They have just great like 
chemistry? I don't yeah. know. Chemistry is the word, but yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say vibes like forever. <laughs> the, just the, but... the, the scene of them explaining the Toro like yes. handshake at dinner is like a perfect example we'll of, get to it. of yeah. how well they work together. <laughs> and then we have Romeo Elvis who plays the girl's brother later in the movie. He yeah. is a rocker. And by rocker, I mean he's a rapper and a hip-hop artist. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And this is actually his acting debut, so that's Okay. Cool. It's not bad. No. And then uh Adele uh Good luck. Wow, with the last name. Exarchopoulos? Uh, All right. I think it, I, Adele Exarchopoulos, I think. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> okay, took French. <laughs> but she's in Blue's the warmest color. Yeah. So she's she's a got a wild filmography. Filmography going because she's mm. in Blue's the warmest color, which is a fantastic beautiful movie she's in mm. this playing a my favorite character in the movie yes absolutely. and then she also like pops up in the white crow which is that ray fines ballet movie mm, about nusarev's defection out of the soviet union and she plays clara saint who is like one of nusarev's like friends but then she's also in this movie called uh, the racer and the jailbird which is a movie i really wanted to fucking like and it <laughs> falls apart which is a bummer but she's very she's very good at that. she has a very weird filmography which is again this is the thing I don't know. The girl has range. She has range. She has incredible range. Everyone in this, (laughs) if I went through and like looked, I'm sure everyone in this cast has incredible range. Like that's the thing I don't, I guess I'm trying to say is it doesn't feel like a lot of French actors are tied to a specific genre. It feels like they kind of float around a lot in between stuff. Yeah. At least in French cinema. I mean, the cast is incredible. Uh, No, they're great. It's a cast of what? Seven people, I think, altogether? Something like that. Nine, ten, maybe? It's, I mean, like. Small. small, Very small. And there's like people who have one scene and then they're gone. Yeah. All right. So, critic scores in this movie, just real quick. This has 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is incredible. Um, However, when we get to Google users, 67. It's <laughs> not great. But I feel like I'm not surprised because if you showed this to a normie, mm, I don't know what they would do with that information. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know because I would... see this a lot with like art films or like anything that's kind of weirdo shit. It's kind of polarizing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the audience score is 100 as well on Rotten Tomatoes looking at it now, but mm-hmm. that also is like people who have a Rotten Tomatoes account and log yeah. scores. I was I was watching it right before, and I was like, you know what? Like, my mom, who's a big comedy person, and introduced me to the Coen Brothers via Raising Arizona and a bunch of other stuff. Wow. Raising Arizona was my dad's favorite movie. And my, <laughs> and my mom loved it, and it played yeah. on Comedy Central a ton, and she was like, you should watch this. It's very funny. Just kind of funny that each of our parents introduced us to that film. I will forever love that movie. Yeah. I, I was watching, I was like, you know what? I think she would find this funny. And she's got a great sense of humor, but she doesn't watch a lot of foreign films. And I was like, you know what? Like, I feel like in terms of weirdness, like, yeah, this one is pretty weird. But compared to, like, Rubber or Wrong, it's not. Yeah, on the scale of Depuy, like, yeah. It's yeah. not. <laughs> it's lower on the totem pole. I think this is probably one of the more, <laughs> like, palatable movies he's ever done, probably. Like, I would show this to my mom over Deerskin, where it's like, yeah, this guy has a yeah. jacket who like that compels them to kill other people to get rid of their jackets like that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) for sure like that's a thing i can't sell where it's like yeah these oh we should do the i guess do the synopsis i guess because yeah 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 let's do the synopsis and then we can really start getting into it so uh so yeah normally we watch the trailer but this is in french so that's not going to do anybody good to have that audio so adam's going to read a plot summary so go for it and it's it's incredibly short 
Two hapless losers discover a giant fly in the trunk of a stolen car and decide to domesticate it in a bizarre get-rich-quick scheme. Bada-bing, bada-boom, bada It's... <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I, and I, when I saw this movie, I went into it completely blind yeah. during festival season last year and was immediately on board when uh, the one actor starts talking about his plan for it. And like, it, oh, these guys are absolute dum-dums. Like, I'm so on board for whatever's about to happen. Hell yeah. Uh, and... <laughs> Yeah, I get let's let's break it down. Let's yeah. Get into it. All right. When we open the movie, we have a man sleeping on a beach <laughs> and a guy looking for him to to give him a uh, capital J job, like a, <laughs> aka a crime job. Yeah. But I think we have to kind of talk about this man's character a little bit. Our first Yeah, Manu. One of the main two guys. I don't know anybody's names, so <laughs> I know, I know. It's Manu and Jagab are the two leads, and then Adele plays uh, Agnes, right. who I love, is my favorite character, and then Cecile is the other one, because they say her name a bunch in the movie. I just also <laughs> had the benefit of re-watching it a little bit before recording, mm-hmm. so. I'm also famously bad with names. Don't retain <laughs> them, uh, characters or otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's kind of a running thing for the podcast, too. Um, <laughs> I generally just come up with some descriptor of a person and uh, therefore the listeners can figure it out. Mm-hmm. I also find like if I'm listening to a movie podcast and they're throwing out a bunch of character names, I'm lost. Yeah. So <laughs> just personally, <laughs> not great with names. But this dude they find on the beach, he's got real like Big Lebowski, the dude uh, type vibes. It's very like omega slacker kind of vibes like that's like mm-hmm. he's got shorts on and he's sleeping on the beach and a good amount of the first chunk of the movie is spent with the two leads talking about how hungry they are so it's just kind of like yeah i'm guessing this is in the south of france because everything is right by it the is. beach and it's gorgeous southeast france yeah absolutely beautiful first of all you can't help but compare this main guy the first guy that we meet to big lebowski no, i mean he looks you know but Quentin DePio himself said he was not inspired by Big Lebowski in any way. What he was actually drawing from was No Country for Old Men. <laughs> Which with, with I think is incredible. With Anton Chigurh or for Josh Brolin? <laughs> he says not specifically any characters, but just like the look of the film, the fact that they didn't use any music. Yeah. Um, and then just like he thought that this type of like dry comedy humor movie with no music is something that he really enjoys and that was kind of what he was going for and he also described this as dumb and dumber meets et but less stupid (laughs) (laughs) i'd agree with that i'd agree with that completely (laughs) he said these guys are simple but they're not idiots they're just they're free is what he said they're free guys Okay, so we've gotten us to, he has a crime job. The yeah. job is to get the suitcase, put it in the trunk, and drive it to a, the place, wherever loca- that place is. Yeah, a second yeah. location. And get $500 from that. <laughs> yes, which is not a lot of money. <laughs> not that much money. Not enough to do a bunch of crimes. No. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so then he picks up his buddy, mm-hmm. uh, who's also like a ditzy guy at the gas station where he's working. They do a cute gag when he pulls up. He's like kind of hiding his face mm-hmm. and then does like, ha it's me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is uh, very cute. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> These two guys, like, I love them. They continue to be super cute just throughout the whole movie. Yeah. I'm obsessed with them. They have a lovely quasi dirtbag, but mostly just, like, don't know how to dress aesthetic as well. With, like, the one guy <laughs> has, like, the curliest, ugliest looking mohawk and wears, like, western western shirts with shorts. And the other guy just looks like he sleeps under a boardwalk in a beach town. Like, it's well, just... Well, he does. Yes. He's does. homeless, literally, famously. Yeah, literally sleeps on a beach. <laughs> they also have the cute hand handshake yeah not really a handshake but they call it the toro uh-huh. <laughs> and it's um doing rock hands and linking them together it's yeah. so cute do do- i love it double horns and you link them together and just go toro i want to toro everybody <laughs> <laughs> Which their explanation later is fantastic, too, of how, yeah. of how it came to be. Also, Quentin DePia said that he got that from his five-year-old daughter. Aww. So, <laughs> I just thought that's cute. <laughs> so they take off in this car together <laughs> to do the crime. They're going to pick up the suitcase. But when they're in the car, they start hearing noises in the trunk. So they got to pull over and investigate. And what they find in the <laughs> trunk is just a gigantic fly. Huge. Like the even. size of a dog. Like the size of a medium-sized dog. Like a pretty big dog. Yeah. yeah. Like a, like a bulldog-sized fly. Yeah. Yeah that's, yeah, that's a good descriptor. And that image of this fly in the trunk was actually the first idea Quentin DePue had for this movie. He had this image of this fly <laughs> in a trunk surrounded by garbage. And um, he kind of built the rest of the movie around that image that was in his mind, which I think is incredible. <laughs> I also love uh, in his movies, even before anything weird has happened, it's kind of he sets up a world that feels like something weird could happen and no one would care. Like nothing, nothing is weird. Everything is normal, which is kind of my life motto, (laughs) the motto of this podcast, even. (laughs) It's a very fun kind of environment where, I mean, you get it in in deer skin and it's in wrong as well, where it's Mm -hmm. like you're living with these characters or you're living in the same world as these characters. And then every now and again, you get a glimpse of the normal world that is outside of them, mm-hmm. where there is like one or two characters who show up who are normal people and then kind of reflect them even more as like being fucking weirdos. It's a thing that I think uh, Venture Brothers, the cartoon, does very well as well, mm-hmm. where it's like you're in this world with these characters who are adventurers and have super science, but then there's also then like the regular male guy who shows up to deliver something and it's like steps into this world for a minute and then like leaves it again just like kind of increases the weirdness of these people but also at the same time doesn't really address their weirdness never just kind of exists alongside them yeah it's never like what the fuck are these weird guys doing it's just like well, okay, there's a guy, you yeah. know, just, like, keep going. <laughs> which is, like, such... And that I love. Which yeah. is, like, literally our everyday situation. We touch on that in our real lives for... Mm-hmm. We don't know how, how often it happens, where you go and you d- deliver something, like a package I could deliver to your place by mistake, and the apartment's down the street, uh, mm-hmm. and you step into, like, a weird, like, a brand new person who's got a whole bunch of weird shit going on, and you're just, like, <laughs> you take it all in, and you're like, well, I have so many questions about what's going on here that I've just witnessed, <laughs> but I'm not going to bring it up or talk about it. I'm just going to go on with my life because but, that's... you know, to each their own. To each their own, and, like, there's, there's weird shit happening around us at all times. There's just very... Every now and again, we stumble across it, and then we leave it again. Yeah, and... His worlds are always set up for that, and I love that about them, too. Like, anything can happen. Nothing is weird, though. (laughs) Um, Even when they find this gigantic fly that does not...
not exist in real no. world, right? <laughs> They're kind of just like, is that a fly? Oh man, now we can't use the trunk to do our crimes. Yes. Like they're not, they're like not even bothered by the fly at all. They're just. They're upset because they don't have the use of the trunk. They can't use the <laughs> trunk. And then uh, Jean Gab's first like knee jerk reaction is, "What if we don't deliver? What if we don't go get this suitcase? We stay here and train this fly, and then mm-hmm. that'll be our way to make money is having a giant trained fly, <laughs> which is like who can then go rob who can then go rob banks or rob food and, for us? Yeah, and it's like it's like the biggest leap from like A to like fucking H in the alphabet yeah. like of like my <laughs> thought. It's just like, we're here. All right, we have a giant fly. What's next? We train it to rob things and make us money. Like It'll make us more, it'll make than, us $500. more than $500. Yeah. <laughs> which is like... Which is sick. Yeah. And then so they decide to park their car and then kidnap an old man who lives in a trailer in the middle of nowhere and take over his trailer as their training grounds for this giant fly. Yeah. The rest of the movie kind of becomes them searching for a place to train the fly trying to train the fly and also just trying to stay alive really (laughs) in like a, a crazy comedy of errors for the rest of the movie I do want to talk about the fly himself for a moment, just because, first of all, I love him. It's an, it's an impressed Dominique, the name of the fly. Dominique the fly. Dominique the fly. Looks so cool. It looks so cool. It's got to I'm assuming a lot of it's practical. I'm assuming there is probably some. The whole thing is actually practical except for the legs. Okay. So it is a puppet, actually. Yeah. So there's a puppeteer inside with his little, with mm-hmm. his arm doing the head and everything. Um, and yeah, the legs were the only CGI. Everything else was practical. Because there's. For the most part, it doesn't move that much. It's usually shot like either like just sitting or like laying down or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part where like you see it like turn on the floor to look at someone, and it the legs move and like it's still very good digital like CGI work on it. But it yeah. it's it's so fast and so creepy that it like it feels natural. I love that they went practical for this. Yeah. And Depew said that he really wanted practical specifically to have like not only an organic connection between the actors and the fly, mm-hmm. but also just because like. The type of monster movies he grew up with, like, have monsters that look like this, yeah. you know, that, that, that are really, real guys. Really well made. You don't made. see that as much anymore. No, yeah. you, they have well-made, well-crafted effects and animatronics and puppets that are operated by professionals. I'm a giant Muppets fan. I'm a yeah. huge Jim Henson head. <laughs> and, like, any time I see or get to work with a puppet in any sense, I get so excited. Yeah. I absolutely love working with puppets i'm trying to work on another music video soon that involves a ton but that is one of my like because there's always that debate of cgi and vfx and practical and i mean you can have the best of both worlds of those and you Mm -hmm. can also have one that is heightening the other and vice versa but it is like you're saying when it comes to performing a scene with something having a physical manifestation of that thing there's something tangible you can touch is i think unbeatable sure Uh, and like the fly in this is very photorealistic and it's very creepy to look at but i also love it Mm -hmm. but it's also like kind of cute yeah (laughs) when you look at his little face sometimes and he's twisting his head around you're like oh it has or when he snores when it snores (laughs) or drinks water i love the snoring The snoring was incredible. I think it's because yeah. it's mostly eyes, so that yeah. like makes it more adorable. Big eyes are classically cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love the fly. They do duct tape his wings. <laughs> they duct tape down. the wings down so it won't fly away. Yeah, poor little fella. <laughs> <laughs> Then from there, they kidnap the old man and tie him up outside, and then he 
offers them his life savings. They let him go. He claims to have buried money yes, nearby. Yes, he claims to have buried money nearby. It's an, <laughs> Who knows if that's a real or fake I love claim. there's that one scene where he's holding, where Manu's holding the gun to him in the car, and he mm-hmm. hits the speed bump and drops the gun, and there's absolutely no fear in the older man's eyes, like, that he's been taken hostage <laughs> by this guy. Yeah. I don't know if it's because he's also playing a dumb guy, or if he just knows that these guys are, are very dumb, and so he's not really in danger. I think he knows they're very dumb, just based on, like, the conversations they've been having around, <laughs> around him. him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that they only have, like, $20 <laughs> between the two of yep. them and, like, need food and... It's a whole thing. Yeah, I think he knows they're dumb. <laughs> so when he drops the gun, this man just like bolts out of the car and then he's just, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone, gone, just runs away. Which is hilarious, yeah. While he was gone, the other man was tasked with spending that $20 on food for them. And I do think this was something funny that I missed the first time but caught the second was, so he was riding a unicorn bicycle yes. around to get the food or whatever. <laughs> At the moment when the man's returning in the car, the guy on the bike does like a, a sweet like, oh, yeah. skid on the bike. <laughs> yes. And he does a self-toro. Self-toro. <laughs> he skids out and goes, oh, self-toro. And like hits his hands together. Oh, yeah, self-toro. Oh, yeah, self-toro. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> that was great. I love the the inclusion of the unicorn bike. It's just there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It just it's just there. Fun yeah. and. and- looks fun and dumb yeah and returns he buys what a bunch of dog food right i think it was cat, cat food, food but yeah he buys a bunch of cat food and and the guy goes did you only buy cat food and he's like no i also bought pills because <laughs> yes. he bought sleeping he pills bought sleep- for the fly <laughs> <laughs> but no food for the two of them no. so then they have to come up with like an alternate solution to getting food for themselves which is that they take that gun again and uh force someone else to rob a grocery store Mm -hmm. for food yes car runs out of gas as well the car runs out of gas the next day what happens first is that they light the trailer on fire cooking the food that they just had someone steal for them and then again lose all their food yes (laughs) so now they spent all their money they've burned their trailer down they have no food again and so they're kind of relegated to the car Mm -hmm. which is the only thing left but in the morning they try and take off in the car and it's out of gas so yeah (laughs) truly comedy of errors (laughs) like so what they do with the car in the morning is that they tie it up to that unicorn bicycle (laughs) and have one of the guys ride the bicycle to tow the car which which seems physically impossible but yeah this is like a child's bicycle too yeah it's like it's all levels of impossible pulling it up a hill of like the south like southeastern french countryside (laughs) yeah But a car full of girls pulls over, and uh, one of the girls says that she knows the guy from school. Mm -hmm. And he knows that he's not the man. He is very unaware of what is even happening. Yeah. The amount of work that her character does, like, explaining everything to this character, Mm -hmm. and, like, how it's obviously not this person you think it is. And she's she's a very good foil for all this. She's a very good, I would say she's the straight man of this movie. Yeah, totally. And she's she's fantastic in this role. Yeah, so he just, like, plays it off like oh yeah uh, uh our school together yeah. oh yeah <laughs> so totally like pulls it off and uh ends up being invited back to her house 
for food. Yes, to hang out at a beautiful home. A mansion, practically. In a mansion. <laughs> with a like, pool. Uh, with a pool <laughs> that overlooks the ocean in south of yeah. France. Like, just gorgeous all together. Yeah, and she's a rich girl. Yes. They go in her fridge and say it's a rich girl fridge. <laughs> they go, rich girl fridge. <laughs> yes, that's over the fridge to say rich girl fridge, which is just like a well-stocked fridge, like with food, if you were an adult who like <laughs> they made They call food it a rich girl fridge. Yeah, and they're just eating like sliced ham, Sliced though. ham off a plate. <laughs> Then her brother comes in, who is the before the rapper, the rapper that we mentioned mm-hmm. before. Everyone at the house is pretty low-key and relaxed around these two weirdos. Who yeah. She thinks one is a friend from high school. So they're hanging out, then they decide to stay. She offers to stay and hang out for a couple days. And then... The dinner scene we have the, to talk the about. The dinner scene and then introduces my favorite character, Agnes. Before we get to Agnes, the dinner scene I loved. That's the first time in the movie that they talk about something being very strange. How I just talked about normally they, they introduce all these weird things and it's not addressed. Yeah. So the one thing they do pick at this dinner scene is the Toro handshake. Yeah. <laughs> Where he goes, I saw you do something so fucking weird. Yeah. Like, so... So utterly bizarre. I have to know what this was. And it's really like the the least weird thing about any of this. It's literally all it is is just you you do the devil horns like your rock hands and you just interlink them with a friend and go Toro. And like it's it's treated like the most alien concept to everyone at this dinner. They're asking so many questions about the hands like, when do you do it? Why do you do it? Why do you call it Toro? And he's like, like when you're excited, when you agree on something when you're happy it's very much the same kind of uh i'm from south jersey and i lived in philadelphia Mm -hmm. for a long time and grew up going to philly my dad is from philadelphia so i grew up going to that city a lot uh there's a Mm -hmm. word that we use from there called john yeah j-w-n for anyone who doesn't know and it's it's kind of a similar thing where it's john is a proper noun uh, that can be used for anything. Yeah. They describe it in Creed. Tessa Thompson's character in Creed discusses it for a minute where she's like, it's literally anything. It's like there's shoes, it's a restaurant, it's a party, it's a person you know. Yeah. And so it's kind of it's kind of in the same vein as Toro, or Toro's in the yeah. same vein as that, where it's like you literally use it for whatever. But it's more simple than that because it's literally just a, a friendly secret handshake. Yeah, basically. It's, it's and even and then he goes, Why do you call it Toro? He's like, because it looks like the animal. Look at yeah, it. Yeah, he puts his hand <laughs> out like and he goes, Do you not see? the animal and he was like oh yeah and then the brother's like oh yeah it's such a good scene because it feels like two groups of characters from different movies fell into one movie together and are interacting and it's just like i don't know anything about your universe tell me what this is i loved that whole conversation that whole thing was incredible yes but then, yeah, so at this dinner, we also meet their other roommate or house guest or whatever. Their other friend, Agnes, because yeah. I believe that they're just a bunch of friends. Two are siblings and the other two are uh, friends who yeah. are out on holiday. And then Agnes walks out, played by Adele. Uh, not even an attempt to, I don't have her name in front you of me. You did a good job the first I did the time. First, just edit that name that I did the first time here <laughs> now. Copy paste. Copy paste it. <laughs> right here. Yeah. Adele Exacopoulos. Editing mark. Uh, but so she shows up and presents dinner. She says this lovely this lovely dinner of like a port wine sauce and it was like leeks and other mm-hmm. stuff. And then, But she's she's saying all this at a shouting volume yes. uh, with no vocal change in emotion. This is the kind of the thing I want to pinpoint about this performance that I love so much. Yes, I'd love to. Is yeah. It's revealed that her character can't control the volume of her voice because of a skiing accident where she mm-hmm. hit her head and now she can't control the volume of her voice, which they make a point of saying 
saying it too. They're like, she's not mad at you. <laughs> like, yeah. The two of them yeah. are the two of them are like, why are you shouting? And she's like, I'm not shouting. Like, don't yell at me. <laughs> she does an incredible job in this movie of shouting at a loud volume without it ever being emotive. Yeah. Because it's it is presented as this character who had this horrible injury that did cause some type of brain damage. Where then she is locked in this, which is a bummer. But it's I don't think it's presented as a bag on a person who has a disability or anything or injury like that i think it's presented comedy wise as these two guys who are not supposed to be here have then entered into a situation that they were not prepared for as well where this one woman who then is revealed to be a little bit little bit out there yeah is just shouting at them which is a very funny gag where it's you have these two guys who've been lying this entire time and then they have this the character who starts screaming at them and it puts them immediately mm-hmm. on edge and then the rest of the movie is like a, the tension between the three of them is so funny for the rest yeah. of the movie quentin depew had a note on her character what he said was that he built the two guys mm-hmm. but didn't feel like that was enough because you can't tell a story with just two lunatics yes. is what he said so he said he wanted to find something crazier <laughs> that made them seem almost normal and so he's like this is what happens in the movie is that you get used to them uh. and then when she arrives she breaks everything and suddenly they look sweet and he's like and this is funny, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. So, it, it is funny. It is funny because it becomes kind of a Frank Grimes in the Simpsons situation mm-hmm. where she doesn't trust them. She thinks they're shady and doesn't know why Cecile has invited them over. There's then moments in this movie where she is playing something more hysterical. Uh, she's being more hysterical or more upset or more scared. Her uh, performance couldn't be more incredible. It's... Like, to me, I think she did such a good job. And um, with the voice, too, have you seen Kajillion? Not yet. Not yet. Okay, so we just did an ep on Kajillionaire in that episode we talked about Evan Rachel Wood's character is doing a voice in the film Kajillionaire and she does like a low voice but it kind of like doesn't fit in the movie mm. they have like the opposite thing about then Quentin DePue's film where how I talked about people are weird and but they seem normal mm-hmm. in his world in Kajillionaire people are weird and they seem weird mm. and then it kind of disconnects you from the movie and that voice really stuck out in Kajillionaire she's just doing a weird voice and you're like what is going on uh, and it just like sticks out so bad and so I thought that this movie then was a great example of someone doing a weird voice that seems like it fits in the world still so I just wanted to make that note because I thought that was really interesting to watch these two movies so close to each other where there's one character doing an insane voice yes (laughs) but in one movie it's done really poorly and in one movie it's done really well and I think this is done really well in her performance is just incredible throughout and the control she has over her voice and then control she has over her face where you can Mm -hmm. pull what emotions that character is going through even though she's delivering dialogue at a screaming monotone level yes you can tell when she's chill you can tell when she is getting like amped up yes. you can tell everything like yeah it's it's incredible she rules. there's a line that she delivers that i love so much is when manu goes to go to bed in the bedroom that he was offered she's sitting in the bed and she looks at him and says you don't think i know you were flirting with me making eyes at me all night or something like that but it's at a shouting level so it's like mm-hmm. definitely meant to be kind of it was something that would be said in a whisper, just scream through the entire house is very, yeah. is very funny to me. Absolutely. And just like ramps up the tension yeah. too. So she just like, 
she is on these guys' case, like, yes. from the get-go. Like, first at dinner, she accuses them of having bad manners. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, there's the scene where she accuses the guy of trying to hit on her yes. when he's just doing what he should be doing and being normal and she's being weird. Then, the next morning, she tries to break into the bedroom where they're hiding the fly. Yes. Because these people do not know about the fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she has fly shit in her pocket, This too. is where This is where oh the character gosh. gets even... This is where the character goes from being, like, a possible person to yeah. as just as crazy as the other two yes. which is I, I love where her ways of proving that they have something going on is she pulls a bunch of fly shit out of the backseat of their car and holds it in her pockets and like shows <laughs> and, and shows and says, it to oh, yeah, what's this, what's this? Yeah. and shows that she has a bunch of shit in her hand and he's like what are you doing <laughs> Which then, John says, he goes, oh, we have a dog. Which then, uh-huh. uh, he tells Manu, who then, Manu then goes and finds a neighbor's dog to bring into the house. Steals the steals dog. Steals the dog yeah. so they don't get caught with having a giant fly. Yes. <laughs> after, after uh, during breakfast, where Agnes approaches all of her friends and also holds out the giant handful of giant fly shit that she pulled out of the back seat and is showing it to them. They're like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> She's trying to tattle on the guys for having a dog dog. that they're not supposed to have in the house. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to get them kicked out. She just, like, has a thing against them for whatever reason. Yeah. But the friends are like, you're being weird. Like, calm down. (laughs) And that just obviously, like, pisses her off more. So when they're all at the pool, she breaks into their bedroom Mm -hmm. and then sees the fly. (laughs) And there's, like, 40 seconds of her just, like, staring blankly. The blankest funniest stare I think I've seen in a movie in a long time where she just incredible yes it's so well paced and well timed and she's just dead on staring at this giant fly which the thing I wanted to hit on about the two leads is right before the scene is the two of them are grown men who are probably in their late 30s and the scene of them in the pool with we'll say early 40s early 40s they're they're a little older but the scene of them (laughs) in the pool with the pool toys having a pool toy fight and making waves is such a specific type of guy that exists (laughs) where it's like Uh you go to a pool party with friends and there's just like one or two dudes there that have this kind of weird energy where they're just like yeah man we're just having fun and living life like i kind of don't care what anyone they're free they're free they don't care what anyone thinks of me they they don't have any idea like any expectations like what's cool they're beach bum they're beach bum they're very beach bum energy and it's just like the weird adolescent adults manners of like having a like making a wave pool and like someone's really nice house is very funny to is like and everyone else is like tanning, everyone else is like, tanning on the exactly. side of the pool it's, yeah <laughs> it's it's the same it's the same thing as like a guy like at a party who's like trying to get people to play flip cup like it's it's that yeah. exact thing. It's like no, we're all kind of just hanging out and talking. And then someone's like, "Garage is open for flip cup. If anyone <laughs> wants to, anyone wants to play beer pong, like I got it set up in the garage. Like I just need like three other people. Like if anyone wants to do." And it's like that's that guy's favorite thing. Yeah. Is he goes to a party and he's really good at beer pong. Like that's his favorite thing. He doesn't know what else. He to doesn't do. know what else yeah. to do. And it's like the most innocent kind of dumb guy shit. I love it so yeah. much. Where she's like, if anyone well, wants, we've established you love a dumb. guy. I love a dumb yeah. guy. Where it's like, I love a dumb. I love a himbo. I love a hell yeah. Love a dumb criminal. I love a guy who's just like, <laughs> like a dude who just shows up with like a big dog T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> like really rocking a big dog T-shirt in like oh 2021. Like yes, please. Yeah. I bought my ex-co-host a uh, a big dog shirt for Christmas. <laughs> I 
there's I had it's stone stone cold Steve Poston. <laughs> the limits of the limits of leniency that they gave themselves on their shirts should be illegal. <laughs> I saw one that was literally just the big dog pointing at like someone like as the back of the shirt. It just said like, "Hey Saddam, how's it feel to be dead, you son of a bitch?" With <laughs> with fuck? with bitch being the like dog pun, I guess I don't know. <laughs> But just, it's just, what a weird, aggressive t-shirt, like... Oh, no, it's it's bone-cold Steve Poston, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what's the tag? Oh, open up a can of woof-ass. <laughs> nope. Woof you like did, You didn't need to include that. Bone, <laughs> no, I love bone it. Cold no, Steve, you gotta have woof Bone-cold <laughs> Steve Poston works, and then it gets the woof-ass, which... <laughs> I'm upset. Which sounds like a type of like 50s slang. It's just that's hysterical. I want a big dog shirt. Ten out of ten would rock. I almost bought an Austin Powers one. Oh yes, Austin. Austin Powers is that it? I don't remember what it said. It's got to be that. There was some good. There was like two of them, and they were really good. I don't remember what they were now. Oh, sorry. The perfect. The perfect. This is interesting. The perfect encapsulation of like what I find in a weird dumb dude, dumb guy, funny. I was working. I was working on a script yeah. uh, last year at like the start, at, like early March. I was working on it. I had a line where a guy went to a gun show, like one of the dumb criminals, and it goes to a gun show, and he asked for uh-huh. a gun that if he asked if a gun has any kind of tiger striping, like he's looking for a, like a tiger stripe revolver is like the fanciest thing you could do and then i mm-hmm. had to throw that joke away because then i watched tiger king and he literally had joe exotic literally had a <laughs> revolver that was painted orange and black tiger stripes i was like like fuck like what are the like, well, i can't use that joke anymore <laughs> hey great minds think like, alike buddy <laughs> what i thought was like the dumbest like thing that a dumb guy finds cool is what a literal like horrible abuser and animal like monster yeah. animal like abuser as well <laughs> thought was the coolest fucking thing on the face of the planet so i guess the math works but i was just like that's a perfect encapsulation of like what i find funny about oh, dumb yeah. criminal characters so oh yes oh, so goodness. she sees the fly look at you <laughs> back to it oh also, she screams. also also the dog that manu steals is tied up in a room with the fly the dog is just tied up to a, a nightstand and left there and then there's that yeah. great scene where the fly comes around the bed and they lock eyes with each other yep and then you see the chihuahua it's a very small chihuahua that you've seen it through the kaleidoscopic eyes of this fly and then yeah. the follow the scene where agnes comes across the fly happens and she screams and i forget how the fly hides again i don't think they show the fly hiding but he does hide yeah. or at least he's not found because when everyone runs in the room to see what's going on with her the brother finds just like the collar with yes. a piece of meat in it yes. which like as- <laughs> and he goes what's this <laughs> and they go they go oh no <laughs> she ate the dog and everyone one just assumes that when they say she they're referring to Agnes. this crazy woman yeah, yeah to Agnes and not the fly but yeah they were totally referring to the fly and so that snowballs or whatever but when they <laughs> when they achieve that sort yes. of uh, Which, switcheroo they do do a toro behind the back as they well do, they, the, the <laughs> fact that they say oh no she ate the dog in response to in regards to the fly and that everyone immediately thinks it's Agnes that Agnes has finally snapped and and her means yeah. of snapping is she ate a dog. It's so fucking, so weird and, <laughs> and out like, of left field. like, when would she have and, ate it? She's not, like, covered in blood or anything. Is, like, like, yeah. she, like, she swallowed it. And it's such a weird, bizarre yeah. thing that 
everyone is immediately on board with. And then, like, yeah. there is a very sad scene. At, so we go moving forward. Uh-huh. The police are called, and an ambulance comes to pick Agnes up. It's like the Looney Bin. It's bin, like, guys. yeah. And there's this really, there is a very sad scene where she is in the back of the ambulance talking to C- Cecile, and she's like, it wasn't me. They have a giant fly in that room that ate the dog. And, like, and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. She's on uh, sedatives, and she's talking at a yeah. lower level. And then her friend is like, they gave her drugs, so she's finally has like a clear mind and a, and a normal voice. Yeah. And she's very, and she's very like lucid and saying like, no, like I didn't eat a dog. Why would I eat a I dog? I just really need to tell I, you this before I go. There's a giant fly. <laughs> tell the police and tell them to let me go. And then she's just like, I'm so sorry, Agnes, and leaves the ambulance. So they take her away. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Like it is kind of sad. It's like a very sweet moment between the two actors. Yeah. Doing great work. But then it's just like, okay, they drive her away because they thought she ate a dog in the span of like a few minutes and then while that's all going on jean sees them out front puts the fly in the car because they gotta leave well because what happens is one of the looney bin guys was the actual guy from her high school that she thought these guys were the whole time so they've been had yeah Yeah, it's the it's the actual fred who shows up yeah what are the odds first time i watched this movie i was like I had forgotten about that storyline entirely because I think I was so swept up in the craziness of the fact that they framed this woman for eating a dog. Then <laughs> yeah. the other actor who plays Manu is playing Fred as well, and they had him in they have in prosthetics where he looks heavier. And I was like, why is he putting that actor in a fat suit for this scene? Like, what is... I was, and I chalked it up to just Quentin, like, you know what? Let's just have fun and put this dude in a, in a prosthetics for no reason and just have it be another <laughs> weird thing that exists in this world. And then when she was yeah. like, and he was like, it's me, Fred. I was like, oh. And then there's that amazing joke where Manu, who's in the early in the movie, uh, is wearing shorts and Cecile mm-hmm. sees that he doesn't have a tattoo on his thigh anymore. And he goes, oh, I got it lasered off. And she goes, oh, it's a shame. I thought it was cool. And almost, yeah. almost kind of in a Raising Arizona homage <laughs> is the actual Fred, like, to prove that it's him pulls his pants down and shows his thigh tattoo that just says Fred yeah and it's over a tattoo of the Woody Woodpecker smoking a cigar <laughs> which is what H.I. Mc, H.I. McDonough and Tex Cobb's character from Raising Arizona both have that tattoo oh really there's wow. there's the scene where H.I. has that the Woody Woodpecker with the cigar tattoo and then I forget the character's name I think he's like the personification of death essentially in, in Raising mm-hmm. Arizona he's choking him and H.I. like pulls his, sh- his sleeve and he sees he has the same exact tattoo as him. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like that must have been just a tiny weird homage to Raising Arizona because this movie does have a lot of the same vibes and like weird character choices and performances like Raising Arizona does because it is a bunch of idiots like surrounding each other and then like one reasonable voice in a way that exists. Mm-hmm. A whole Coen Brothers homage. Yeah. I mean, that on top of what you said with No Country for Old Men, I feel mm-hmm. like there's probably a good amount of overlap specifically with that tattoo as well but so yeah. uh, they get found out john goes into the kitchen where manu's just eating ham out of the fridge <laughs> eating loose e- eating ham. loose ham yeah. he's like we gotta go he's like we gotta go we got figured out so they, yeah. they siphon a bunch of gas and get in the car <laughs> drive off and go to the location they were supposed to go to the original con the location. original con location where uh michelle michelle is waiting yeah and gives them a briefcase and then they take that they're days late they're at days this point late too. they get yeah. handed a briefcase <laughs> 
briefcase, and then they take that briefcase to a third location. It's a lovely estate in <laughs> south of France, uh, yeah. where they walk into the backyard, and there's a like family that's very well off is sitting in the back, uh, and they have like a manservant or a butler there who then takes the briefcase from Jean, hands it to this very older, this older rich man who looks very well connected, looks like some type of crime boss of some kind, mm-hmm. a classic crime, classic boss. like older. He's got sunglasses on, but it's like six in the evening, and he's in his full suit at dinner. Hell yeah. they, he opens the he opens the briefcase, and what is inside is a pair of grills yeah. that he then puts on at dinner, and his whole family loves it. <laughs> you think this whole weird crime thing is happening that he has to deliver, and it's literally just it ends up being go here, pick up this briefcase that has diamond grills in it, and drive it to this nice older. Not nice, but this very nice house where this older French man is waiting for them. Yeah, and that's where the title of the movie comes from, mm-hmm. too. Yes. Mandible famously a jaw, just referring to what's in the suitcase this entire time. Yes. <laughs> it's such a dumb, funny reveal because he puts them in on both rows and he presents them and he's so excited about them. Like yeah. the actor playing that man, like, sells them so hard. He's like, oh, like the joy, like, this character has of finally having these things. Yeah. And his whole family is super supportive. His, he's feeling himself. His two kids are like they look really cool dad and his wife is his gorgeous wife is like they look beautiful (laughs) and it's just it's such a funny weird little it's it's like i've been waiting so long for my diamond grills in the year 2021 or like (laughs) here's 500 dollars for delivering this and then then he gets the 500 dollars and from there they pretty much return to the beach where it all started Uh with their beat up car they're deciding on what to do and jean decides to finally give it a go and try and like see if dominique has retained and any of the training he's been doing over this entire movie with like dog toys and like treats Mm -hmm. he's showing dominique a picture of bananas in like grocery store newspaper he's like do you understand go get this like get it and you see it all from the flies pov so it's like all kaleidoscopic with this man talking about pointing he's like got it okay get it and they untape the wings finally Mm -hmm. and the fly immediately takes off like he's like mid-sentence trying to like give her a pep talk but he's mid-sentence and it just looks like a fly flying up into the sky it's an amazing (laughs) shot of they look up and you just see this giant fly just vanish into the air and they're like Mm -hmm. and they get in their car they're like well that's done and they get in the car and they're talking about getting food and they have like eight euros and 51 cents in their pocket i love this scene and like the dialogue that happens between them right here is just I, I love this so Where much. Where they're, they're just like, <laughs> uh, I mean, he's like, you know what? Our friendship is more, is the best thing we've got. Like They say, true wealth is friendship. Why are we busting our balls trying to get rich, basically? Yes. And he's like, oh, you know, me, me and my projects. Like, <laughs> I got caught up trying to train this fly. <laughs> And then the other guy's like, oh, I get grandiose because I'm with my buddy. <laughs> like, basically, in, we're just, like, such good in, friends. We, like, get we get really hyped and, like, get stuck in this one little I, thing. And, like, why are we trying to get rich? You, yeah. you know me. I get caught up with my projects <laughs> is such a good line when he's talking about training a giant fly a to rob banks. Rob. <laughs> and it... It ends on an incredible note where they're sitting in the car and they're getting ready to leave. And then it ends with Dominique the Fly landing back on the hood of their car with a bunch of bananas in its mouth. Right when they have decided to give up on the fly. They're like, the fly is probably not coming back. We don't need to be rich anyway. Like, let's just like go get some food or like whatever. (laughs) You know, they've totally just about given up on their initial plan. And at that very moment, yeah, she lands back with the bananas. They do a look to camera and then there's like some scheming music yeah uh when we roll creds the music that leads in and exits 
music. I love the music. Ends the, mu- yeah. ends the movie is very relaxing. Very. It was the perfect vibe for the movie. It puts you at ease at the very beginning of the movie because I went in not knowing what it was going to be when mm-hmm. I first watched it, and it really does put you at ease because then it opens on the shot of this beautiful beach, and there's just a guy sleeping under a blanket on the beach in a sleeping bag being covered by the waves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's also it's an hour and seventeen minutes. I, that's I love Quentin Dupieux's films are always like under eighty minutes, but cram fucking packed with like so much yeah. wildness. It's a beautiful it, thing. It does it, yeah. <laughs> you always have time for one of his movies. They yeah. never they never feel bloated. They never feel like yeah. they're running over time. I mean, like, no. that is just really brilliant screenwriting because it's looking at a concept like this or something like deer skin or something like rubber, and it's just like, yeah, this can't sustain itself for an hour 40. Are you kidding? Like, mm-hmm. how many people can I have Jean Dujardin, like, kill with a weird fan axe that he made, like, and take jackets from? Like, yeah. Like, this can't sustain itself. And it's, like, a brilliant, from a directing and scrampers are very brilliant to know that, that you can craft an engaging fun weird feature film that doesn't need to rely on the specific like because I feel like a lot of American movies have kind of been like feature films at most at most have to be an hour th- an hour 30 and change I did want to say, speaking of comedies and funny people, and this will bring us back a little bit, I often put out, when I remember, calls for questions or comments or whatever for the episodes before we record. I put them on Instagram. And we did get one comment from one of LA's top Hellraisers slash funny guys, not to dox him in (laughs) an anonymous comment leaving thing but uh alex kavutsky oh okay yeah (laughs) who said quote i like when the fly brings back bananas so (laughs) and alex you're right yeah (laughs) brilliant brilliant speaking of brilliant filmmakers alex oh my god fantastic fantastic very interesting just beautiful sad he covers a lot he's there alex does some really really interesting stuff i love watching whatever he comes up with um he's incredible yeah uh, number one fan here (laughs) (laughs) i've seen probably just about everything he's ever made including everything he's put on channel 101 almost seeing his his evolution from channel 101 to what he's doing now is has been super interesting 101 videos yes yeah which I've never, I've, I've always attended and, and been mm-hmm. a fan. I've never put anything into Channel 101 because I don't. I recognize my like strengths and weaknesses uh, as a filmmaker, and I'm not the best writer. And so uh, my brain has never been tapped you into. You could probably find a writer to collab with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, it, There's such a community. Yeah. And there's just no shortage of like really fun, interesting sort of series through yeah. channel 101 yeah. yeah check check them out if you're in los angeles or if not even if you're online and you're not in la area go check it out there's probably something on there that'll that'll really they have a website channel 101.com and mm-hmm. they also do stream the showings on twitch yes so that's how i watch yeah. <laughs> personally because i'm not an la guy so how did we get here again i have no idea <laughs> Oh, we were talking about Kavitsky. Shout yes. out to Kavitsky. Uh, check out his stuff. Check out his stuff. <laughs> we haven't even closed out the movie yet. Yeah, so. just, yeah then. <laughs> we have rolled the creds, though. Yes. So what we can do is rate this movie out of five. So what do you think? I mean, I don't know. I, I rewatched it, and it's still as funny as... Like, there are laugh-out-loud moments for me. I would give it, like, a 4, maybe even a 4.5. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, it's a very funny movie. I don't know if it how it can be more... It's the, the runtime is great. It's very uh, economic with its premise. It's got great performances. It looks great. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm always very. I'm always very hesitant to give things a perfect rating. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, I think to me, I I try and think of what do I consider a perfect rating, yeah. and how does that movie make me feel? So like when I'm giving things a perfect rating, because yeah, I'm saying like it's very rare for me. Yeah. But things that I give a perfect rating give me butterflies in my tummy, like just yeah. watching how cool they are, you know, or like make make my juices flow. Like I'm so excited to watch whatever is happening because it's just the coolest thing i've ever seen yeah that's i mean there's very few i like robocop is up there as like a perfect film like for, <laughs> in, in my in my opinion in my opinion it is a perfect yeah. film even with the weird uh stop motion lecture long-armed <laughs> ronnie cox that falls out of the window at the end i don't know there's it's a weird mix back for me what i think is a perfect movie and it's like uh-huh. i mean this is a very good it's very very funny it's so funny it's very good yeah and it's definitely a relaxing movie. It's it's definitely like a good afternoon movie. Where you just throw it on, and it's very funny mm-hmm. and weird. And probably one of the more rewatchable of his movies, yes. too. I think. Yeah. yeah, Deer Skin is fun, but it's also gets real dark. And it's, I would, I, I mean, yeah, I would say of all of his movies, which I mean, I haven't seen the Eyes one. Keep an eye. Keep out. an eye out. I haven't, yeah. I haven't watched that yet. But this is probably the most like this is his most I would say casual fit. Uh, if I was intru- yeah. if I was to introduce someone to to Depew movies, I would probably start with this. Yeah, this is yeah, this is a great entry point yeah. to his his weirdness because it's like okay, you're into this. Okay, now let's go to Rubber and like <laughs> see if this is a totally different thing. It's just it's weird. I feel like this is very mm-hmm. much like a an introductory. Yeah, some real deep like weird anti film stuff too. Yeah, like in his earlier like non film and non film two are very just like. You're like, this is prestige cinema, but like it kind of is. Yep. I'm not, it's like, <laughs> it is just like a dude fumbling around a camera and like bumping into people with it, yep. but like intentional. Like there's like one part where the camera is just being literally dragged alongside a building, like it's scraping the building. Yeah. And it's not looking at anybody who's talking. And like, this is cinema. It's, it's a real. It's gorgeous. Yeah. He's, he's got a real. He does have a good on ramp for the rest of his stuff now like that's yeah. feel like that's yeah. yeah i think i put this movie because i did since i just watched the whole filmography i did make a ranked list of quentin depew films and i did i put this third actually oh really what's your number yeah. one number one was wrong okay. i just love yes. wrong so much and then number two was keep an eye out ah. so you haven't seen no i have not <laughs> but yeah three was mandibles so good movie anyway that's where i'm at <laughs> yeah i give this movie four stars personally yeah Four four point yeah. five. I have to uh, give his other the rest of his stuff that I'm that I'm blind on. I have to go through and watch down. Give it a watch. Tell yeah. me what you think. So I think safe to say we would recommend. Oh, absolutely. This movie. I I hope it hops on streaming somewhere sometime soon. So it it's, just came out. So I'm gonna imagine that it'll be like maybe a couple months before yeah. it's like free. He also did say that if this movie gets five hundred thousand views or whatever, uh-huh. that he already has plans to make a sequel called Tentacles. Beautiful. So yeah, do it. There's that. So watch the film. <laughs> yeah, go watch. Go watch it. Etc. Five hundred. That's not five hundred thousand views. That's nothing. I agree. So we can make this happen. Now it's time for screen vomit. In this part of the pod, we just go off about whatever else we've been watching, movies, shows, 
whatever. So what have you been watching? What have I watched recently? Uh, oh, I watched Beats the other. What is that? Uh, it is a Scottish movie from 2019 directed by, what's the guy's name? Brian Welsh. Brian Welsh, yes. It's, apparently this is a real thing that happened in 1994 in Scotland. They were passing a bill that was like essentially like outlawing raves and like <laughs> general like large assemblies. And so it's kind of, it's all in black and white. It's about these two kids. One who is definitely like from a terrible home life kind of low-key scumbag kind of kid degenerate and this other guy who then they're graduating high school this other kid who was going away to college and uh, his parents don't like his friend and it's about the people that they're surrounded by on this last night before scotland brought down this like bill that they passed because it was like the last time that was allowed for a long time i think in scotland i'm not exactly sure on the the politics of it all uh-huh but it's just this view of these two friends, these two high school friends, kind of realizing they're having their last real summer together because one is going away and then one is going to be stuck there. And so they're just kind of living in this. It all takes place, of course, of the day, essentially. And they're just living in this dream bubble that they have where they're going to this giant rave and experiencing music. And it's beautifully shot. It's all black and white. It's beautifully shot. The music is great. The emotion is there. It's very good. It's a very it's a very heartwarming kind of it's it's sweet and also sad, but you have hope at the end of it. Like And you loved I it? I loved it. It was really good. I watched that. I watched Brewster's Millions for the first time. I don't know what that is either. That is a 1980s comedy starring Richard Pryor and John Candy, where Richard Pryor is a... Oh, the guy from Seventh Heaven's in it, too? Yes, he's in it, too. It's also directed by Walter Hill, who has <laughs> oh, the wildest... Warriors? Who? <laughs> he did Warriors. He did Warriors. He did Streets of Fire. He did Driver. Incredible director. Still, I think he's working on a new movie now. Incredible director. Might be one of my favorites. But the movie, the premise is Richard Pryor shows up at this like really nice like high-rise in New York, and he's like met by... By, like three old stuffy white men and then there's a film that plays on the screen in front of him and it's like i'm your great uncle you didn't know your great uncle was a honky it was like this old white guy who's talking to him and he was like well there's a lot of family tree math to do but you're my last <laughs> living relative and he's talking about like the value of money and like the whole plot is he goes you have 30 days to spend 30 million dollars of my money and if you do it with having no assets left like you don't have anything left over you can't own property suits like businesses anything like that like you can't own any of it he's like i will give you 300 million dollars if you do that successfully so it's just a movie of richard Pryor, who also legally can't tell everyone around him why he's spending money like this because that's part of the clause is he can't tell anyone and and it's just a it's a fun weird richard Pryor comedy and it really made me sad that we didn't get like a dozen movies with John Candy and Richard Pryor together. Yeah. I love John Candy. I think he was one of the most empathetic actors of our time. Like, I find him so soothing and comforting when he's on screen. And it's just, it's a bummer that Richard Pryor and him didn't get to do a bunch of movies like Pryor and Wilder did. But also, and speaking of uh, tight, confined movies, I rewatched Phone Booth for the first time. Interesting. And how'd that go? Real well. Held up really well. Yeah? I love Colin Farrell. I'm so happy that he's eased into being a weird character actor now. That he doesn't have to have the pressure <laughs> of being this kind of heartthrob that he had like forced upon him when he was like coming around because yes he's hot as fuck yeah. like he's one of the hottest people on the planet but but he's a hot weirdo he's a hot, so yeah. like his hotness is kind of like a burden to him yeah and so like when he yeah. does stuff where he like shows up in like killing of a sacred deer yeah. like but when he gets to do stuff like that i mean like i'm excited to see the batman movie that's coming out simply because he's playing the penguin <laughs> and they have him in like 
wild prosthetics that you do not recognize them. I'm like, yeah, give me, if you haven't looked, seen that yet. No, I haven't. Oh, Google Colin Farrell Penguin real quick. And you're going to be like, whoa, because he popped up in the trailer and I did not (laughs) recognize him. I I saw it. I was like, man, I'm so curious to see what he's going to do now when he's just like wearing makeup and being fucking weird and playing the penguin. Oh, one movie, I mean, I watched this months ago. I watched Four Weddings and a Funeral. I watched for the first time in my life. Yeah. I love it. I think I saw that, like, when I was a kid. I don't remember, like, anything about it's, it. It's, <laughs> I've never seen, I went in completely blind. I, I assumed that there were four weddings and one funeral. <laughs> I was right. Yeah. Beautiful movie. Aside from the way Andy McDowell's character is written and portrayed in the film. Women, famously. Which, like, <laughs> in the yes. 90s. Which, Kristen, <laughs> written incredibly. Kristen Scott Thomas's character in the movie has a great arc. She's fantastic in it. But, Probably the most genuine feeling friend group I've seen on screen in a long time. Like because they keep going to all these different weddings with each other and they're hanging out and they're they're friends and it's like uh-huh. this feels so real and so organic and like you feel for them and it's just like yeah, that is how my friend group behaves like if we go to someplace together if we're all at a wedding together or we're at uh like dinner together or something like it feels natural and i don't know if, mm-hmm. i mean mike newell directed it who's a very british comedy director yeah four weddings and a funeral is like my weird like sleeper favorite pick of like <laughs> things i watched for the first time of this year yeah. big fan hell yeah and then collateral i rewatched. it's really boring but i fucking love michael mann <laughs> it's a really boring answer to one of my favorite directors what is does he do? michael mann he, oh man he did manhunter he did thief he did heat which i'm excited mm-hmm. to see i got tickets to go see it in a theater on 35 oh, uh, yeah? at the end of august nice yeah uh, collateral is the most recent thing i watched of his which is uh, Tom Cruise playing a villain, like mm-hmm. a very genuinely scary character. I don't know what that says about Tom Cruise as a person, <laughs> but well, <laughs> uh, there's yeah, there's yeah, a, there's yeah. a lot there's a lot to interpret there and a lot. Yeah, where where is Shelley Tom? <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> there's a lot to interpret, but his work in Collateral playing a hitman is very good. Is. Interesting. Is interesting. There's some interesting choices, and like the commentary is like Michael Mann is like, yeah, Tom trained for three months on how to shoot a gun in this proper way. It's like, of course he did, the fucking psycho. Like, yeah, uh, I, don't I don't know. That's the whole thing. We could get, we into. Could get into all that, but yeah, that's if I if I had to give any recommendations of the past the stuff I watched recently, Beats, super fun. Phone mm-hmm. booth holds up, and then. If, if you've never seen Four Weddings and a Funeral, watch Four Weddings and a Funeral. It's heartwarming and emotional and beautiful, and I loved it more than I was expecting I would. Right. Yeah, that's that's Hell yeah. a very mixed bag. <laughs> well, I've got a weirder bag for mine. Go, go on. <laughs> I picked some unhinged stuff uh, this week. So I mentioned that I watched through Quentin DePio's filmography recently. Uh-huh. So Quentin DePio has a movie called Reality. And when I was searching for Quentin DePio's movie, Reality, I accidentally found a different movie called Reality and watched it for a long time before realizing that it wasn't his. Was it, was it also in French? No. Oh. Uh, so... Well, I don't think reality is in French, though. I think it's one of his English movies. Okay. Anyway, but so I generally, when I'm going to watch a movie, I try and know nothing about it if possible. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't read a synopsis. I don't watch a trailer. I try and know nothing going in if I can. So I didn't know, like, what the movie was supposed to be about or anything. I just knew it was directed by Quentin Dupuy, and it was a movie I hadn't seen. So, <laughs> so like... I didn't know what the movie was supposed to be. So then when it was not that movie, I didn't know that it wasn't what I was supposed to be watching. 
until so I got a little bit into this movie. So okay, so the one that I found is actually it's by just like an indie filmmaker in Chicago called Dustin Pueller, and it is fucking so unhinged that I got like thirty minutes in, and I was like, I have to see what people. One thing I might do is like look up letterbox reviews just because. They're not real reviews. So yes. like they're normally just one person being like, Wow, uh Dustin Hoffman's shoes, okay, go off or something yeah, like that. That's you know, like, it's like it can just <laughs> it can just be like something so stupid. And then in that way it also doesn't spoil the movie, yeah. but you might find out something. I'm sure I have reviews on Letterboxd that are exactly the same as that. <laughs> yeah. So like they're they're stupid. I love Letterbox though. Obsessed with the thing. Anyway, so I go on to just look at the reviews. I still didn't read a synopsis. I just went on to look at the reviews to see I was like, I gotta know what people are thinking about this movie and none of the reviews were lining up with like anything <laughs> that I was watching and I was like, Okay, something's gone wrong here and then realized I had been watching this like deep independent movie. It's not even on Letterboxd, it's so indie that I like rented it too off of Amazon. So what this movie is, I think is so fascinating. The concept is that a there was like a failing TV station. They found a bunch of videotapes in a dumpster and the videotapes were of a man um a serial killer <laughs> who like had kid- had kidnapped a bunch of women and like videotaped all of it mm-hmm. and like murdered them and whatever. But this video station like really or this uh, TV station really needed content, so they edited it together and put it out uh, to try and save their channel or whatever. We don't see anything with the TV station, but this is just kind of the concept. So when they edited it together, (laughs) they edited it in a way that it reads as, like, The Bachelor. (laughs) So, like, it's like this man kidnapped, like, 15 women uh, and is keeping them all in his basement, but they have, like, the Bachelor-style music over it, just that, like, light guitar, like, and then, like, they do the um, the on-screen little swipes with, like, the name and, like, something about them or whatever, like how they do on those kind of shows. I've never seen The Bachelor, but, you know, just that type of show. Yes. And they do, As someone, like, as someone who watches The Bachelor, yes. <laughs> Okay, so you understand. Yeah. And they do like an elimination and it's just to find for him to find like a woman to be with or whatever. But the, when the women get eliminated, they are like murdered. Oh. But it's like <laughs> the tone of it is so fucking unhinged. Uh, I think it was actually kind of really good. Um, <laughs> but it's like the most low quality like DIY, like somebody shot this on like a handheld camcorder like in the basement Jeez. type thing. Like, <laughs> but I'm kind of obsessed. So that was called reality. <laughs> but <laughs> I think I recommend it. It's just so fucking weird. And I, I think I'm really into it. Okay, so reality. Um, secondly, I watched The Fly for the first time. Can you believe uh, the, Cron- the Cronenberg? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did a fly themed day. So the first time I watched Mandibles and then I later watched The Fly on the same day. Beautiful. So. <laughs> So I got to say, I now get why everybody loves Cronenberg, Mm -hmm. because I famously have been like, not a crone hater, but just not a real crony head. Have you, have you gone into Crash yet? No, I haven't. I haven't seen Crash. I haven't seen, I haven't seen Scanners. I think those are like the two big ones that I haven't seen, but I have seen Videodrome, History of Violence, Maps of the Stars, and Cosmopolis, Mm -hmm. and two of his shorts. So, like, I've seen a fair amount of his stuff, but I I always think, like, it's, like, fine or, like, pretty good or whatever, but not to the extent 
that matches up with like the hype he has, I guess. I. But anyway, when I watched The Fly, I kind of got it because The Fly was actually really sick. And what were you gonna say? I fall, I fall kind of in the same arena as you, where it's like I'm not the biggest Cronenberg person. Yeah. I don't know if it's because I'm not the biggest body horror per- person. Uh, not a huge fan mm-hmm. of it, but Crash absolutely rules you love crash. i love crash crash is great it's i do want to see it it's it is on my list. horny as fuck okay can highly recommend <laughs> crash can highly recommend the brood so yeah the fly the fly great movie good really good and i'm glad i finally watched it i kept being dragged for never having seen the fly so i did it and i feel good about it <laughs> all right next i'm gonna do a short film place by jason gudatz who's also a channel 101 guy he had a really cool series on 101 called Somewhere in Highland Park. Oh, yeah. If you've ever seen. I've played Among Us with Jason many a times over the last year. Yeah? Yeah. He just, the place was, uh, was that Slamdance or where was it at? It was at Sundance. It was at Sundance, that's right, yeah. Yeah, probably other places too, but I know he uh, made a goof poster where they put Sundance like in big letters right in the middle <laughs> yes. of the poster as a gag, but actually it kind of came out kind of sick, so they kept it. And yeah, place was sick. I loved it. Okay, what else did I watch? Oh, I watched Leave No Trace, which was recommended in my last episode to me by Nigel DeFries, um, which has Ben Foster. Yes. Are you familiar with this movie? Yes. Uh, yeah. I have not seen it. I'm aware of it. And I it's mm-hmm. it's Ben Foster and Thomas and Mackenzie, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it. It's just like um, sort of homeless, off the grid dad and daughter who keep trying to be forced to be assimilated into normal society. And that's not what they want, sort of, movie. But it was really good. It was emotional. Good flick. Yeah. Lastly that I'm going to mention today is last night I watched SLC Punk 2, Punk's Dead. I did did not. I did not know that even existed. And I'm kind of upset that I do now. I just found out it existed like not that long ago when I was looking through Devin Sawa's This filmography. is this is like when I found out that there is like a sequel to show <laughs> this is a sequel to Showgirls. What? <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, so and now it, and we both ruined each other's lives. Oh, and it's bad. <laughs> um yeah, SLC Punk 2, I think I can't imagine how a movie could be worse. <laughs> It came out in 2016. Yeah. And um, who's in it? Uh, Machine Gun Kelly's in it. Yes. Machine Gun Kelly is who I was thinking. And if you've seen the movie Pride, which we've done on Pod, uh, the main guy from the movie Pride is also in it. He plays uh, Heroin Bob's son. So I think even if if you just watch like the first 30 seconds, you'll have a great idea for what the tone of the whole movie is. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> the dialogue and like literally every single plot point of the movie it's all just like the most unhinged shit you've ever heard like it doesn't make sense people don't talk like this like it's all fucked up they use the f slur like 30 times (laughs) which is like way too many for a 2016 film is it like Um, uh is it like kind of like the canyons where it's like uh the paul schrader movie that based off the brady snell's novel that had lindsay lohan and james dean where it's just like no one behaves like a human being at all absolutely like that (laughs) um the costuming is even unhinged like okay so the whole the whole story is they literally start with one of these like freeze frame record scratch i bet you're wondering who this is like (laughs) they literally start with that the first like uh, half of the movie is narrated by Heroin Bob, who's like talking from beyond the grave in like a blue room, um, who's like catching everyone up on what's been going on. The movie centers around his 
son who like i guess his girlfriend was pregnant when he I, died or whatever i am looking i am looking at screenshots mm-hmm. from this movie what the fuck am i looking at are, are you seeing the costuming like his son has like a the worst wig you've ever seen like a long brown hair wig he's, wearing like shakespearean yeah clothes. he's he looks like <laughs> i don't know what this he, he it looks yeah. the shot of looking at looks like a shot from the scene in sweeney todd when they go to the beach <laughs> they are the two people in this shot are uh, are uncomfortably pale to the point that it's definitely makeup and she's carrying uh-huh. a white parasol it, it this looks like a vampire movie <laughs> this looks like a bad it's vampire really movie. fucked up it's it's it none of it makes any sense everything they say is like what are you even saying let me describe a scene to you First of all, his character is like, he's so straight edge, he didn't even know you have to be 21 to drink. Um, Jesus Christ. He's like, never, yeah, okay. And then, so there's a scene where the son and his two friends are like driving along the highway. They pick up a hitchhiker who's on the side of the road. It's like a, a sort of Rastafarian character with a duffel bag full of mushrooms. Like shrooms, shrooms. Uh-huh. The two friends are talking to this guy with shrooms who just has a huge duffel bag. Inside of it is just a wide open Ziploc bag, huge Ziploc bag, like gallon size of shrooms um, on the side of the road. First of all, they touch his hair. They're, they're white. He's black. Um, they touch his hair and ask, how did you grow this? They smell his hair. Um, <laughs> then uh, the like straight edge son walks by and goes, oh, great. You brought food. I'm hungry. Grabs a big handful of these mushrooms out of this weird guy on the side of the highway's duffel bag that just happens to have a Ziploc bag straight up open in it full of chock full of shrooms um grabs a handful shoves them in his mouth and just eats them all none of that makes sense this was definitely this was definitely not (laughs) this script was definitely not originally an slc punk script this is something the movie was apparently crowdfunded so like i don't know if that has something to do i hope they i hope they got all their money back i haven't even seen this but then the fact that Machine Gun Kelly and whoever this actress is that is uh, sitting on this hood of a car with him are mm-hmm. so drastically different from the lead character in this movie yeah. looks and dresses like Stuart Townsend in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. As it, but it looks like he was like sitting in, like soaked in a river for a minute, like <laughs> like a week went by and they pulled him out. They're like, "You got to act in this movie now." <laughs> here's a here's a here's an ascot and a weird like vampire blazer. Like, go wear this and be around Machine Gun Kelly. It's literally unhinged. He has a cane. And... He has a cane. <laughs> I'm looking at a shot of him where he has a cane, like he's Lucius Malfoy, and it's there's there's probably a sword in it, and he's wearing a vest. And puffy sleeves, like a real fucking yeah. Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice looking motherfucker. <laughs> and their whole thing is they're going to a punk concert. They say the word concert like 30 no. times. Like, we're going to a punk concert. <laughs> like, what are you Go. talking about? And he like stops screeching weasel or whatever in the middle of their set. Dear God. And like gets on stage and is like, I just want to let you know. Punks kind of suck, but like I'm having a good time or whatever. Like, what? And then all the punks beat his ass. 
it's an hour and, it's, it's an like, hour and 16 minutes so yeah they, and i did watch the whole thing and i the entire time was like what the fuck is going on like, don't, so don't if you're listening to this and you're contemplating watching it i haven't seen it but i'm just gonna say don't watch it <laughs> i just based on the images i just looked up and it is upsetting <laughs> i will highly recommend if you want something that has like a punk feel to it dinner in america is a fun movie What do you have to plug? Where can people find you, et cetera? Um, by the time this comes out, I'll probably just release a new music video that I directed. Mm-hmm. So that'll be floating around. You can just follow me. I'm at A-T-O-M underscore Murray, M-U-R-A-Y, on both Twitter and Instagram. Usually there's something new I'm working on. It's usually, uh, you can usually find it via Twitter or Instagram. I'll be posting also, about it. You also it. have a website. I have a website, too, that I that I need to update. But I do have that. All your videos. All my all my all my shorts are on there. Gabby Mm -hmm. might be going. Will probably be going online more towards the end of the year. Just Mm -hmm. because we're waiting on some festival stuff and then trying to line it up with short of the week release. Nice. Towards the end of the year, so that'll be happening. Currently finishing up a music video, trying to work on a couple more, and then in the early stages of working on a feature version of Gabby. So <laughs> that's 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 where that's at. So that'll hopefully be coming down the line in a couple of years. Hell yeah. yeah, that rocks. So that's <laughs> that's sick. All right, that's all your plugs. Yeah, that's I don't. I mean, don't have much. Well, you have a bit. <laughs> There's some content to sift through. Yeah. Okay, and then for me. You can find the show on Instagram and everywhere else at Screen Vomit. One word on all the things. You can email me at ScreenVomitPod at gmail.com with your thoughts on this movie or other movies or suggest a movie. I don't know what we're watching next, but you can follow on Instagram. I always post it on there. And that's all my plugs. So thanks, Adam, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah. Thank you, thank you, for, thank you for watching my stuff. I, I know I get <laughs> nervous and scared when I see that people are watching something <laughs> that I made. But I, I genuinely do appreciate it. It's just uh, seeing people watching it is always a weird, surreal experience. Uh, so thank you. Well, you did the hard part. So... <laughs> All I've done is watch TV, and you're welcome (laughs) for that. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, I had a great time doing it. So, and yeah, I'm happy you could come on (laughs) the pod. (laughs) Thank you again. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Hell yeah. All right. So, bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. I love dumb guys.